Hey there, I'm Beth Connors, a midwife and mom of two, but also your birth bestie. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into everything you need to feel confident, prepared, and in control from baby bump to delivery room, from practical tips to personal stories. We'll cover it all so you know exactly what to expect every step of the way. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Your Birth Bestie Podcast, and thank you so much for all of your support last week as I officially launched this podcast. If you haven't followed the show yet, be sure to subscribe to get notifications every Tuesday when I release a new episode. But today you are listening to episode number four, and I am so excited to share with you my redemptive hospital water birth experience after my traumatic first hospital birth that I talked about in episode number two. So if you are planning your own hospital birth and you might not know what you want it to look like, or um, maybe you have some ideas but aren't exactly sure how to make them happen, I hope listening to both of my stories gives you a peek into what hospital birth should absolutely not be and what it absolutely can be with the right preparation and the right support. So in this episode, I'll share my experience with having a hospital water birth and how I was able to feel completely in control of my birth, really starting in pregnancy. So I love sharing my story and maybe by the end of this episode, you'll even consider a water birth yourself. Okay, so if you listened to episode two, you'll notice some similarities with this story, but thankfully there are way more differences. So for starters, I chose to birth at a completely different hospital, which is definitely not shocking given my first experience, Um, but I was actually cared for by a group of midwives that I had worked with. Um, Shout out to Anna. She was with me. She was seriously the best support, Um, and I'm so glad my labor was super quick because her shift was about to end, and I didn't think I was going to have her be at my delivery, but... It all ended up working out, so I will definitely get into those details. But at exactly 39 weeks, I was feeling contractions every two to three minutes, and they were pretty uncomfortable, but they weren't terrible. I didn't think I was in labor yet. Um, They went on for like 10 hours, and... At this point, I was like, I'm getting ready to go to the hospital, arrange childcare for my oldest daughter, and I kind of just waited until I was ready to leave. Um, But then I ended up taking a nap thinking that it was going to be the, the real deal and I needed to you know build up my energy, but ended up waking up in the morning with no contractions. So from going from all of these contractions every two to three minutes, you know, my contraction app that I was using to time those contractions kept saying, you know, every 30 minutes, go to the hospital, go to the hospital. And I just kept ignoring it. So that was a really strange experience because I was really getting myself mentally prepared. And I thought that I would be holding my baby within the next, you know, 24 hours or so. So I was super ready and excited and my husband was ready and we were you know, ready to go. But I was actually pregnant for another week after this. So it was definitely a false alarm. Um, So that's not how my labor started. Um, I actually went to the clinic appointment that I didn't think I'd make it to. I was 40 weeks and two days pregnant. And because I was contracting, I was curious how dilated I was, Um, especially with my first labor experience, not knowing that I was in labor. If you listen to my other Uh, episode, I was six or seven centimeters dilated in the clinic without knowing. Um, So honestly, I'm pro cervical checks in labor if you're curious or if you think it'll help your mental health knowing that information. But I'm also team no cervical check if that stresses you out and you will be discouraged based on the number that your provider tells you. Um, But if you want one, totally go for it. If you don't, I respect that 100%. There is no black and white or one size, you know, fits all approach with pregnancy or childbirth. So I went for the cervical check um, because I was contracting, feeling lots of pelvic pressure, and I had almost an 11-pound baby with my 
first delivery. Um, so I felt good about, you know, trying to get things moving along with a membrane sweep, if that was something that they could do if I was dilated. Um, so I was okay with that. And my midwife checked my cervix. And again, I seriously, just like last time, I was six to seven centimeters dilated with a bulging bag of water. Um, so she did the membrane sweep and the contractions that I had you know, the week before and intermittently throughout that week were definitely doing something, but I was not in labor. But then what happened next is the most important part, that I was not rushed to labor and delivery. I was not forced to be induced, and that is what changed my experience for sure 100%. It was like I completely had a redo of my first experience. So I went home and it was the best feeling ever, but it was also a little bit unsettling because I had like three centimeters left to go before having a baby. And that was very weird knowing that, it, you know, it could happen at any point and I wasn't sure how long it was going to be. Um, usually second babies come a little bit quicker than the first. So I was anticipating less than 10-ish hours of uh, labor and delivery, but I really had no idea what I'd be in for. So I was home at this point and had already had that conversation with my midwife um, that they were that they could offer an elective induction at any point because I was so far dilated. They could just admit me into the hospital, break my bag of water, and hopefully we'd have a baby. Um, so I chose not to do that right away, chose to wait and see if labor started after that membrane sweep where I was seven centimeters dilated, but nothing happened overnight and I ended up going to triage the next morning for an additional membrane sweep. That was kind of part of the plan that we would do two back to back because oftentimes a couple membrane sweeps in a row helps stimulate those prostaglandins, soften the cervix to prepare for labor. Um, so I was willing to give that a try. Um, it wasn't uncomfortable at all. The membrane sweeps were super tolerable. Um, it was about a minute of cramping during the membrane sweep and then some light cramps and spotting for about an hour after. But for me, it didn't kickstart my labor, but it was something that I wanted to try. So I went home again with the option of coming in for an induction later that day, and it was such a hard decision to make. I just, you don't know what's going to happen, and there's a lot of what ifs. One thought was that I wanted a spontaneous, hands-off birth and no intervention at all, but being so far dilated with a very soft, favorable cervix, having all that pressure and those intermittent contractions, and really having already birthed a baby before, I was a really good candidate for an elective induction. And this is something that I typically wouldn't recommend, like an elective induction, um, especially for first-time moms at 39 weeks or you know before their due date, something like that. But this is why decisions are so individualized. I had all of the options and I knew the risks and I knew every possible, you know, situation that could occur and I felt confident, you know, going for that elective induction. So I was admitted to the hospital and I should also say too at this point that I was a part of my hospital midwifery group's water birth study. So at 28 weeks, I was assessed and given, you know, certain criteria that you had to meet in order to be part of their study. So I met all the criteria and I was so excited about being in the water birth study and then they contacted me. Um, uh, a few weeks later, so I was like 30, 32 weeks, that I was chosen for the experimental group, which was that I would be able to to birth in the tub. So I was really excited about that. I had always wanted a water birth, but knew it was something that isn't typically offered in the hospitals where I live. So this was the perfect opportunity and the tub was set up for me and ready when I needed it when I was in the hospital. 
So I was admitted to the hospital and my room was set up and, you know, asked all the admission questions and everything. But then my induction officially started at 5 p.m. when I agreed to have my bag of waters ruptured with a crochet-like hook. They just snag the bag and a gush of fluid comes out. Um, so it was the exact same experience that I had the first time. But this was a moment that I was in control. I knew my options. I could either do it or, or not do it. Um, I was obviously there to do that. That's the reason why I was there. I wasn't actually in labor yet, but that was going to start my labor for me. Um, but the midwife had made it clear that I was able you know, to call all the shots and it was not something that was forced upon me at all. So that was a really good difference from my first birth. So when they did this, the, the breaking of the bag, there was that initial gush of fluid. But then all of a sudden I felt a huge movement from my baby. It was an instant like kick and like a drop this intense feeling of pressure and these strong contractions just back to back like 10 out of 10 all of a sudden i'm in active labor within seconds Um, i stood up and i labored with my elbows on the bed the bed was raised up for me to kind of lean over on and i did this for about a half hour and i remember this moment of being like oh my gosh i do not remember it being this bad i told my husband that i could not do this for 10 hours because that's how long my previous labor was And then after all of that self-doubt and almost like a a minute of just like panic, like what am I going to do now? Um, Even though I had prepared for all of these things, it was like two minutes later and I said, oh, she's coming. (laughs) And I'm standing next to the bed trying to get in the tub for delivery. I was helped into the tub on hands and knees, squeezing my husband's hand in front of me. And it was, yeah, a moment of, you know, initial panic because it had just happened so fast. And I had, you know, my labor playlist ready and affirmations and labor positions I wanted to try and mindset pain, coping strategies, literally all that just flew out the window. And I'm in transition um, in what feels like moments after starting the induction. So it was definitely an intense couple of minutes. Um, a quick delivery was something that I, you know, wasn't new to me as a midwife, but it was something that I never thought would happen to me. Literally just a few pushes later at 5.45, you know, the induction started at 5. 45 minutes later after my induction started, she was born at 9 pounds, 2 ounces, much smaller than my first baby, thankfully. So that was definitely a bonus, made things much quicker, I'm sure. And after she was born, I was helped back into the bed while holding my baby, um, delivered the placenta. And the best part of all of it was that immediate skin to skin with my baby. And I don't think anything beats that moment. Seriously, like if you listen to my first birth story, I did not get to hold her until an hour after she was born, literally for no reason other than they did all of their assessments and medications and things literally right away as I was being repaired. So I wish I would have had the chance to hold my first daughter in the, you know, those first moments, but it doesn't always work out that way. But this was you know, my redemptive experience and it totally was amazing to hold her you know, right away. So I held her for two hours skin to skin. She nursed right away and I had only my husband, the midwife, and a good friend of mine who was actually a labor and delivery nurse. And she came in special for me. She wasn't scheduled to work, but because I had an elective induction, she was able to come help me have my baby. So Nikki, if you're listening, you are amazing and you truly meant the world to me. And for that immediate postpartum experience, I didn't have any tearing like I did the first time. And the pain was seriously so much less compared to the first time. It was this euphoric feeling after she was born. I honestly wish I could have just gotten in my car and drove home. It was that amazing, like even, you know, an hour after delivery. 
It was definitely a sense of relief knowing exactly what to expect in that immediate postpartum period and then really just being comfortable caring for my newborn. Um, It was just a completely different experience having experienced it myself once before and having helped so many moms through their own journeys. So there were really no unknowns or any fears that I had and this was just a complete difference from before. So that was a great feeling. But after she was born, I stayed in the hospital for 24 hours for her to get her newborn screenings and left that next night to be with my other daughter. And that really is a great example of how having a really good birth experience and transition to having another baby or your first baby can really just have like a ripple effect on, you you know, your relationship with your partner or your family dynamic in general and just your outlook on this new journey. So that was really important to me and I'm so excited that it went as well as it did. So there are a few takeaways that I would love to share with you about my birth stories before I kind of get into the benefits of water birth in general. So the first thing is definitely understand interventions and you know what's common or even some of the more uncommon things just to prepare yourself for what might happen um, without getting you know too involved and, and too overwhelmed. Um, and also the recommendations that your provider may have for you. So if you you know are talking about induction at, you know, your 36 weeks, let's say you're talking about induction at 37 weeks or 39 weeks or something like that. Um, If that's something that's like on the horizon, you definitely should consider why this is something that is necessary for you and, you know, why the timing of it, like, do you actually need it at that exact moment um, that you're discussing or what are your options? You don't deserve standardized care and everything should 100% be individualized to you and your situation and your birth plan should definitely be taken seriously. Also, make sure to protect your birth space. You have the right to know who is caring for you and who is in your labor and delivery room. Like 100% always, this was something that I struggled with the first time and it was overwhelming and um, overstimulating and it just contributed to a negative experience having so many people in my room. Um, Also ensuring that your comfort is the most important part. You are the one that is laboring in an unknown environment, but that doesn't mean that you can't control it. So things like dimming the lights, um, playing music, or having complete silence either is fine, or maybe bringing a sound machine. Sometimes those are helpful to uh, drown out the the hospital noise. You can eat and drink um, as tolerated, and make sure you're moving around as you feel is the best. So just because you're in the hospital or if you have an epidural, that doesn't mean that you are you know stuck in one position lying in the bed. There are really just so many ways that you control your birth experience just by, you know, how you're utilizing your birth space. And this is where birth partners being involved is so, so important. And they can help protect your space too for you and really make sure that your wishes are being respected by everyone that enters the room. The last thing is embracing unpredictability. Don't be afraid of what hasn't happened yet. So many times the anticipation of having a hospital birth consuming the minds of way too many women and I definitely don't want that for you. Um, If you're maybe nervous about 
labor emergencies or are worried you'll need an epidural, but you really don't want one. Or really, there's a million other things that you know might be going through your head right now. But the best thing to do is just really get specific about what it is that you might be afraid of and work through them. And I definitely have some really great strategies for that as well if you're interested. This process of releasing your birth fears and Really just identifying them so you can work through them is so important and transformative in the birth space that I have dedicated an entire module to releasing your birth fears from breaking down these fears to preventing unwanted outcomes. It is just something I think it is so important for all expecting moms and will totally be a game changer for your birth. So if you're interested in learning more about my comprehensive hospital birth course, You can find more information at bethconnors.com forward slash birth course and join the waitlist to get updates. The pre-sale starts on May 22nd for course access in July. So I'm super excited to offer that. And because I have had an amazing water birth myself, so I'm a little biased, but now I think everyone needs to try it or at least consider it. Um, So hear me out. I can answer some of the most common questions that I've gotten since sharing my own birth story. People will first, you know, usually ask me what even is a water birth and how it's different from a traditional land birth. And I will tell them that water birth is when a mom gives birth in a tub or a pool of warm water. Um, they, mom can choose to get in and out of the water at any point during labor as she feels like it or stay in through the entire time, the entire birth process if she wants. Um, births that are in the water are also known for being you know, more relaxed and a more natural experience for mom. But there are also a lot of benefits of having a water birth. They can actually help reduce contraction pain and pressure from being submerged in the water, and it can also help decrease anxiety. Another amazing perk of being in the tub is having greater control over the birth process in terms of how to move into a comfortable position in the water. Um, For me, it also created a sense of boundary because I was the only one in the tub and, you know, I could do my own thing. I could move as I felt like it. You know, people weren't bothering me as much as I noticed in my first birth um, in the hospital. I didn't feel trapped in the bed like I did before or subjected to all the interventions like frequent cervical checks, pushing on my back, um, a vacuum-assisted delivery that ended up happening. And being in the water itself also promotes relaxation and lowers the chance of tearing or having an episiotomy. Obviously, because you're you know in the tub, um, you're in a ideal position for you. So typically, there is less need for intervention. As for baby, it is completely safe for them to be born in the water. They will not drown or inhale water when they're born. It is a reflex that they have. Um, They are used to being surrounded by fluid and have never taken a breath using their lungs. So that's not an issue. It is very safe for babies too. And actually, kind of a funny story related to this. Um, I'm actually six feet tall, so the standard birth tub was a little bit short when I was in the pushing phase. And, you know, I was leaning over the side of the tub. Um, At one point, I slightly stood up uh, just because it was natural and intuitive to me. But because I'm so tall, the water was only filled as high as it could be. But I actually delivered my daughter's head in the water. And then as I stood up, her face was exposed to the air. So I couldn't go back into the water because she had already been introduced to air. So because this happened, I had to deliver standing up. But it all worked out. She 
actually came so fast that she cried before she was even completely born. So that was a wild experience. I remember just like being in shock, (laughs) Um, thinking like, why is my baby crying? I can still feel her like coming out, which is just crazy. Um, But anyways, typically if you deliver in the water, the, the warm water is, you know, a gentle transition for baby because it like I said before, mimics that environment that they just came from in your belly. This helps reduce baby's stress levels and makes for a smoother transition into the outside world. Um, Babies born in water actually tend to be more alert and have better oxygen levels too, which is really amazing and just shows how safe it really is for babies. The last thing that I get asked a lot is if it's an option for everyone or how do you know if you can have a water birth in the hospital? And this is totally dependent on where you live, the providers that are around you and the resources that you have, um, which I know is unfortunate that it is not more widely available. But this is also why it was so cool to be part of this water birth study that is working to prove the safety to increase access to more hospitals and really just have more water births and more people trained to do water births. So if this sounds interesting to you, definitely see what options are available for you in your area because it can absolutely be a positive experience and I totally recommend um, giving it a try. Thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate you so, so much and hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, I would love to hear from you over on Instagram at bethconnors underscore CNM. And if you've enjoyed the show, leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform would mean so much to me. I will actually send a goodie bag straight to your doorstep if you take a screenshot of the review and fill out the form at bethconnors.com forward slash review. I will see you next week. And remember, you deserve an autonomous hospital birth, and I am here to support you through it all.